Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Mind Your Marketing. I am your host, Jordan Shelton. Today, I am sitting with Alex Alioto from Wimstay, a company that lets you book last-minute vacation rentals. We get into really how to grow a, a sales org, also how sales and marketing can play nice in the sandbox and where companies that have trouble with their sales and marketing teams fail and how the ones that do really well succeed. So good conversation. We also talk about travel, how that's going to look you know, post-COVID. Really, really interesting conversation if you're interested in travel, also the relationship between sales and marketing. But before we get into that, as always, this show is brought to you by Cave Social. Cave Social is a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that helps grow your business online. So if you need help growing revenue, creating content for social, maybe running a new ad campaign, Cave Social can help. Head over to www.cavesocial.com, hit that contact us, and let them get your marketing started. All right, that's it. That's the ad read. Now sit back and enjoy this episode. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, I have Alex Alioto on the show with me. He has spent time as a professional actor before moving into a career in sales back in San Francisco, where he actually worked with Yelp pre-IPO, helped them grow, quickly rose up the ranks on their sales team before being approached by Ben Jamshahid to come over and actually help found a new startup called Wimstay. And in a little over a year, has grown their inventory of properties on Wimsay from zero to 25,000, really making the startup a player in the vacation rental industry. Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me, dude. So that is the you know 10,000 foot view. Very, very sparse intro. I'm going to let you take it here for a bit. Tell me more of your story from acting to where you're at now with Wimsay. Yeah, man. Uh, so first of all, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. And, and uh, as I mentioned to you pre-show, I'm, I, I've, I've listened to a lot of these. I think they're awesome. So we are very excited to be here. We'd be in Wimsday in general. So I graduated University of Michigan, what seems like a long time ago, 1998. And I studied theater there. And so out of uh, Michigan, I went to New York. And I was an actor in New York City for... 10, 12 years, actually, moving sort of around the country, Chicago, Minneapolis, uh, San Francisco, where I'm from, all sorts of different cities, just kind of being a, a nomadic theater actor. And it was awesome. And I loved it. But I remember having this sort of conversation with my agent who said, would you be willing to be, you know, 44 years old and living in a four story walk up midtown Manhattan? Because that could very well be your life at 44. Know that that's what an actor's life is. And I sort of remember being like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But kind of in my head being like, no, I sort of went home and, and I sort of pondered it a little bit. And I thought maybe this, you know, maybe there's more to my life. I love doing this. But being an artist and being an actor, it has to be it, it can't be something you want to do. It has to be something you have to do. And I think at that point was the realization that maybe it was something I only wanted to do. So I actually went back to San Francisco at that point and I was doing a play there when my sister-in-law, Erica Gallo Saliotto, who was a VP at Yelp, very, very early, uh, early stage. And uh, she said, you know what, just come in and interview for an account executive role. So I said, okay. And so I went in, I interviewed, I got the job. I said, you know, why not? Let's just see what happens. And it turns out that I was kind of 
good at it, you know, and there was a lot of things that came relatively naturally to me, you know, I, this idea of talking to a business owner and saying, you know, and just sort of intuitively understanding this logic of like, what do they need right now, right? So, and I accrued a certain skill, I think, from being an actor, which was listening, active listening. And so it's an essential part of being an actor. You find later on, it's an essential part of sales. So you think it's kind of simple, not quite as simple as you think. We don't really, really tend to listen very often. But so I, uh, I started off as an account executive. This was 2010, pre-IPO, wild, wild west, just fabulous because it was in the middle of, of really this company uh, growing. And it wasn't nearly obviously what it is right now. And, you know, I would say 40% of the prospects I called knew who we were at the time. And this was in San Diego. So calling into San Diego. So we were very, very new and it was fresh and it, and you really felt like you were growing something. And my enthusiasm and my energy was, was just super high. And so, uh, and I did well, I was good at it. So after about 11 months, 10 months, they asked me to go into leadership. And that was, I think at the time, the fastest anybody had gone from AE to leadership role. And I took that job and loved it. So they immediately brought me out to their Scottsdale office and I was a manager there, became a senior sales manager there, took teams of about 15 or so, was was for a very long time the, the highest grossing team in the org. It was a lot of fun. Bit at the glory years, you know. So the glory years at Yelp around 2015. After that, I went back to San Francisco and uh, no, actually prior to that, I took a role in the franchise. So helping start the franchise segment, which was a national segment. It, it's exactly what it sounds like, just selling franchise, national franchise. And then from there, went back to San Francisco and was a team lead on their SaaS, their Yelp reservations. So this was about seven years of being at Yelp at this point, and which is, you know, an eternity, I think, in, in the tech industry, which is kind of the stupidest joke in the world, but kind of true. And I think at that point, I liked my job. I loved the company. I liked my job, but I felt like I had learned all this stuff. And when you're at a company for that long, it's everything is kind of baked in and there's nothing really you can bring to the table anymore. And I was really kind of eager to, to start doing that. So I actually, for one thing I did is I left Yelp and I started consulting young startups on how to start a sales team. And I was doing that and it just wasn't fulfilling. And I wanted to be part of something and really felt like I was like ground up growing. And I was around that time that I got a call from, from Ben and my friend Jim. And they said, hey, look, this is what we're doing. We're starting this thing. It's called Wimstay. We want you to be a co-founder and head the sales. And it was a no-brainer because it was a couple of things. Number one, I'm high risk, high reward. It's my personality. It always has been. Uh, so starting something on the ground up and, and making you know a, a small fraction of what I was making at Yelp didn't bother me even in the slightest, knowing that, that I was going to be helping grow something from the ground up. And the best part to me was an industry that was growing, but this thing was, there was currently a gap in the industry and we were filling a gap. So I was like, okay, so this is starting something from the ground up, something that'll be kind of easy to sell because it's filling the gap, hopefully being able to make a huge impact on this industry that is growing like crazy. At that point, it was just a no brainer. So I took that and then we started this thing. You want a little bit on how that went early on? Yeah. And I mean, give me the elevator pitch and the listener, the elevator pitch. So what is Wimstay? Yeah. So it's a marketplace, right? And for the property manager, it is an opportunity for the property manager to liquidate unsold or expiring inventory last minute, 
right? So if you're familiar with Hotel Tonight, exact same thing Hotel Tonight's doing, but in the VR space. You've got expiring inventory that's dying on the vine. We want to sell that for you at a discount, so you you book it. From the traveler perspective, if I'm a traveler and I am spontaneous-minded and I'm willing to be spontaneous and I'm in San Francisco on a Wednesday and I'm like, I want to go to Tahoe on a Friday, uh, I know I can go to Wimsday and I can get and I can get a super awesome uh, vacation rental at a good price. So that's the idea. Very cool. So that lays a good framework for me and for the listener. Now, yeah, talk to me about the early days. So you get brought in. I do, and I have a hunch here, but correct me if I'm wrong, that the days as an actor where you had to kind of the starving actor be hungry and continue to grind probably conditioned you a lot for the early days of of being in a star. Yeah. And the rejection, right? Yes. That's a big part of it, right? You become somewhat rejection proof as an actor because, you know, it's like, you know, if you're booking 5% of the stuff that you're going out for, you're you're doing well. It's a 95% failure rate, right? So yeah, I think it, it kind of tunes you into the fact that if somebody says no to you, just don't take it personally. So yeah. I think that was actually the biggest benefit of kind of coming from that industry. Very cool. No, I can totally see that. So tell me, you're there, you guys, you come together, you say, we're going to start this thing. Walk me through those early days and, you know, really growing the business from, you know, you sure you went from zero to 25,000, but talk to me about zero to one. Yeah, how that took yeah that's a good question. So I remember, I, I remember this feeling of, so I, I go, you know, you get there the first day of work, you go, you sit down at your desk, you open up your computer and it's like, shit, now what? Right. So I had no idea. I didn't know anything about the industry. I was like, what do I do now? And so, and so I, I just kind of sat there for a second. And I think that one of the first things that came to mind was, all right, we're in San Francisco. Let's look into Tahoe. So the first thing I did, I don't know where this idea came from. I called the um, Chamber of Commerce in Truckee in North Lake Tahoe. And I called him and I said, I didn't even know what the hell a Chamber of Commerce was. This is one of those odd sort of inspirational ideas. And I said, give me a list of, of all your vacation rental property managers, if you don't mind. And she said, sure. And she sent me a list of 200 vacation rental property managers in North Lake Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe, and Truckee. So that's what I did. I had a list and now I had something to do. So I called and, and it was about 200 people. And I am on about 189 of that list. 189 previous told me to bug off or I don't know who the hell you are or didn't even pick up the phone. And then on about 189 or 190, I reached out to a fabulous woman, Dana Moraru of Tahoe Signature Properties. She will always be Wednesday's angel. And she was the very first one to really say, yeah, that's, that's a really good idea. And so I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to be in Tahoe meeting all of our other clients. Do you want to meet? And she was like, sure. So that day I got in my car and I drove up to Tahoe, pretending like I was meeting with all these other clients we had, but no, just Dana. And I talked to her for about 20 minutes. Uh, We talked to her for about 20 minutes. And what was awesome about it was the amount of information that came out of her. And that's why she's always going to kind of be an angel because she sort of instigated what the process became for me, which was take an action on something, right? Take an action on something and then follow the breadcrumbs. And then a breadcrumb will show up and then look at it, take an action on that, follow the next breadcrumb, take an action on that, follow the next breadcrumb. So that was sort of what the slow build was about. And what Dana did, which was great, was she was like, first thing you got to do is, you know, she said, yeah, so you're integrated into our property management software system, right? And I was like, uh, no, no, not yet. Didn't even know what that was. And she sort of said, oh, okay, you guys are going to ResFest and to the VRMA conferences too, right? And I was like, yeah, of course. So obviously those are things that we didn't know about previously. And immediately we went home, we signed up for those conferences and we started to look into this property management software thing that she had talked about. We went to the conferences and it became very apparent to us at that point that the route for us was to integrate into the software systems that every property management company uses. 
and they're all different type of, they're all different software companies. All of them have the same thing. They are basically a portal for these property management companies to be able to do all their work, right? So what we understood immediately was we've got to integrate into these things first. So then we found the top three, we integrated into those top three, and now I had a list, right? Now I had another list, and this list was people that were integrated in the software system that, that we were using that I could now call and say, hey, we're fully integrated in your software system, so now we look like we're legit. This is what we do. And now it was just, and then just building, building, building. Now my job was still calling people 75 times a day, right? So it was still a very much of a cold call approach. It was still really a gritty, uh, down and dirty, phoning these guys, getting rejected sometimes, a lot of the time, but you know, not sometimes. And, and it just grows and then, and that's it. So do the action that's in front of you, follow the breadcrumb. Do the action that's in front of you, follow the breadcrumb. And that's really been the game plan from, from then on. I love it. And I think there's, uh, you know, from that, follow the action or take the action, follow the breadcrumb. There really is three lessons that I think, you know, myself and the listeners can take from all of that. Rule one, numbers matter. It is, you have to get on, you have to dial, you got to reach out to people. You can't take that rejection personally if the first person doesn't bite at your product. Two, your customer will give you ammo and give you direction. Like you said, you learn from the first customer that is so huge. And then the last thing, when you talk about integrations, I think this can go to all businesses at large. Make it easy, right? When you guys set up those integrations, you made it easy for potential customers. If you can see that hurdle ahead of you and say, okay, we're going to get rid of that. So we don't run into this every time or every time you get a new customer, then you start building the integration. Yep. Those are three things that I think, you know, the listener can take and say, okay, I'm going to put the numbers in. I'm going to do the work, listen to my customer, and I'm going to make it easy for the potential customer. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of where this whole active listening comes into play, right? And, and, um, and, and if you provide a product that's, that's got a value, which we think we do big time, if you can then be dynamic towards what their wants and needs are. And now all of a sudden, it's like it, this relationship becomes easy, right? It's a good lesson. Now, talk to me about with Wimstay, you kind of have a chicken and an egg scenario when it comes to getting properties on and getting users to come and book yeah. through the platform. Yeah. How do you guys handle that from like a segmented growth perspective? Is that, you know, do you have that all under one umbrella or do you have a team that's, you know, you hey, you're doing dealing with property acquisition, somebody else is doing the consumer marketing and user acquisition? How does that look? Yeah, I think one of the greatest things that, and our CEO, Brad, has done a lot of awesome stuff. But I think one of the, the most sort of long-term beneficial thing that he's done is he kind of, he came in and he said, stay in your lane, right? And so I remember, you know, it's easy when you're in a startup to have all sorts of ideas and everyone be sort of pumped and, and oh, I've got this idea about doing this and this idea about doing this. And it could be chaos, right? Because everybody's excited because they want the product to do well. And if you're in a startup situation, everybody wants the product to succeed and everybody's always got great ideas, right? I remember at one point I went up to Brad and I was like, hey, you know what, man? I think the tone of our emails towards travelers needs to be fun and flirty, you know, and, and you know, maybe a little bit uh, irreverent and, uh, you know, let's do videos like Dollar Shave Club and, and let's do Groupon 2010 style, like, you know, you know, making fun of ourselves a little bit. And he looks at me, he goes, stay in your effing lane, right? And so my lane was supply. 
just stay in the lane of supply. And so that's how this whole thing is set up. We Everybody does what their specific job is, and that is uh, focus on your job at hand. My job at hand is supply, nothing more, nothing less. So, you know, and we've got a demand side. Demand figures out demand, supply figures out supply, engineering figures out engineering, CEO figures out whatever CEO does, I don't really know. And and that's the game plan. So, so yeah, and to a certain extent, I don't really want to pay attention to the demand side. Here's what I know is happening right now. What I know is happening with us right now is our demand is way higher than our supply. So, and you'd think, oh, that's good. It's not for me, right? So I'm spending my nights sort of, ah, because I, because I know there are so many people out there that that want to use our product and want to book and there needs to be more supply. So that's my only focus. I spend all day thinking about how am I going to get more properties on this site, on this app, so that the demand side can really flourish in the way it's supposed to. So, yeah. That's interesting. And I, the stay in your lane thing, you know, if you look at it like sports, there's a reason Steph Curry doesn't get rebounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's like you, you have to do what you're good at and trust the other people on your team to do what they're good at. And that underlying value of trust, I think, is what really allows orgs to grow instead of people trying to do 20 things at once and then doing them all horribly. And it takes so much pressure off, right? Because at that point, you're just, you say, okay, then I just, I know what I need to do, right? And so there's no concern about anything else. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And then Steph can pull up from 35 and do what he does, right? So, yeah. although I will say as, as a Warrior fan, he He's a pretty good rebounder, but that's another story altogether. So at any rate. Debatable, and we're ending the <laughs> podcast there. <No. laughs> so cool. Now, look, you got this thing. Like you said, you have a, the supply is really the challenge for you. Talk to me a little bit about COVID-19, its effect on sales, and then really how you're planning, you know, post-corona. What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, so I, you know, I mean, first things first, right? So this this has been an absolutely brutal time for a lot of people and, and people are losing their lives, right? And so um, people are losing their jobs. And so it's a really, really brutal time. My wife and I talk about it quite a bit about how the, the with all this stuff that's going on, there's a beauty about the reset the reset quality of this whole COVID thing. And so, and kind of, I think, a recalibrating of values and of how people are looking at things. There's a lot of, I think, benefit and good that can come from this challenge. And so this industry, I think, has seen it in a big, big, big way. So I think the first thing was this, right? Vacation rental industry for the first part of COVID got rocked. And there was a lot of situations with Airbnb, immediately refunding without really talking to the property managers, which was bad news. And in the process of that, a lot of a lot of awesome, hardworking property managers had to shut their doors down because the the traveler refunds were just too much for them to bear. I remember talking to one guy who had 12 properties, which is a small amount. And that guy owed $200,000 in refunds. He's like, I don't know how I'm going to pay it. And it was kind of done really, it really shocked them. It, it was just sort of done in a way that was not very elegant. And so there was that right? That was a major part of it. And then there was some funky stuff going on in Florida where the governor was choosing to open up hotels and and cruise ships, but vacation rentals were not. So that was really weird, right? Because if you want to talk about social distancing, cruise ships and hotels probably are not your best bet and a vacation rental is. So that was a little bit odd. So early on, the, the industry was just rocked. And from my perspective, it was difficult, but also not like because there was a lot of downtime and, and there was a lot of conversations that I could have with people. I wasn't pushing our product on anybody, but it was a time to have a conversation and say, hey, where do we see the industry going from here? And so there was a lot of positive conversations because 
this is what a lot of this is what I was personally seeing was this. Hey, what's going to happen to the to to travel post COVID? A couple of things. Number one, domestic travel is going to be the norm, right? People aren't going to get on airplanes. So that means what? That means that it's going to be drivables. It means that I'm going to be vacationing, but I'm not going to be getting on an airplane. It means I'm going to be getting on a car. Uh, to a certain extent, it's going to be avoiding urban areas and really just focusing on more sparsely populated beaches, mountains, lakes, things like that, right? So everything so far I've mentioned is really what a trend is going to be post-COVID, and all of those things benefit the vacation rental industry over the hotel industry. And so there was a lot, I think, of those kinds of conversation. It was, hey, once this thing is over, right, whoever comes out of this thing, whoever is in the middle of this thing and says, I am going to look at this less as as a victim and more as there's an opportunity here, those people are going to come out the other side thriving. And we're starting to see that happen now. So right now, the industry is breaking records. If you go to Florida, Alabama, uh, Tennessee, San Diego, there I'm talking to property managers that are like, we are midway through June and we have already broken our monthly record for stuff. So we're seeing huge things. In addition to that, I think that we are a recession-proof industry. And what I mean by that is this, is the travel always going to happen. If there's a recession and I'm a family of five, my kids still need to get out. Like we still need to travel. It's just that it's really what our behavior is going to be that's going to change. And how's our behavior going to change? It's probably going to change towards, you know, if I'm a family of five and I have an opportunity of getting two hotel rooms at $300 a piece, or I can get a huge house on the beach at $300 a night, which which one am I going to do? So there's all of these things that I think are really bending towards vacation rentals really becoming the ubiquitous form of lodging and travel, which I think is going to happen. I do believe, honestly, it's going to surpass hotels in the next two or three years as really the the ubiquitous form of, of lodging for travel. So while it's a challenge still, while we're kind of inching out of the challenge, I think that the present is bright and the future is brighter. It's a bit of a pain in the ass right now for me because I'm calling property managers to get them on board. And, and a lot of them are like, dude, expiring inventory is not an issue for me right now, right? I've got nothing but green in front of me. Call me in August. Nothing the sales guy hates more than call me in August. There's a lot of, you know, I have to pivot a little bit in how I present the product, which is, hey, this is not going to last, those types of things. But yeah, that's that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, it's interesting to see some companies that can, you know, come out and take a silver lining from this whole process, which has really turned the world on its head. And interesting to see how you said, like the familiarization with vacation rentals and how really Airbnb acted as a spearhead and is getting got the consumer more comfortable with this. And then now people look for other options, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you're able to see Wimstay really fit into that. Hey, is it, we offer something that's different, but you're already accustomed to going through a vacation rental. Right. And like for myself with business travel, I do last minute booking all the time. If I have to fly somewhere for a meeting, I'm like, ah, okay, what am I doing? Right? So it really does, you know, fit there perfectly. Now, one of the things and, and one of the hurdles that we've seen organizations have to get over is really making sure that sales and marketing teams are on the same page. When it comes to the message that's being put out there, marketing teams not going and over promising and under delivering. 
How do you guys all balance, yeah, the sales and marketing? Are you syncing? I know you got to stay in your lane. Are you syncing regularly to understand what's going on? How does that look? Yeah, I, I think it's been phenomenal communication. You know, one of the biggest issues I always had between marketing and sales was kind of, you know, there was like a gap, right? And maybe that gap was based on, was this a, a proper lead or is this not a proper lead or, or even finding out a little later than you wanted to that this was a lead that, that came in. And so that's not been the issue with us. So we really have, and again, this is a testament to Brad, our CEO, who has really kept us all... I think synced up and on the same page. The, one of the big benefits of this whole COVID thing is this mandatory 8 a.m. meeting that we have every day, which I'm sure companies everywhere are doing, which wasn't something we were necessarily doing when we were in the office. And what that is, is, hey, this is where I'm at. This is where we are right now. This is what's going on. And so communication is at an all-time high for our company right now because of that. So we're not seeing any of those issues right now. And with marketing is focusing for the most part on, on travelers right now. So the marketing and sales uh, conversation isn't necessarily as sort of important as it would be in other in other orgs right now as we sort of move. And, and obviously marketing has dipped a little bit into hoping to get uh, supply leads, but you know, 99.9% of all supply leads are coming uh, are coming just from from really outreach at this point. But but the communication's great. We're on the same page. I know it's an issue for sales and marketing and I don't think it ever has to be because it's all based on a lack of communication. Always it's based on a lack of communication and not conversing, right? Two intelligence agencies not communicating results in bad things happening. Same with marketing and sales, right? So 100%. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Let us know, or before I let you go, let us know where people can learn more about Wimstay and uh, connect with you. Yeah, man. You can connect with me via LinkedIn if you wanted to. Alexander, I think it's in there as, Alioto. Uh, but Wimstay, go download the app. It's app-based right now. We are going to be web-based very, very soon. So, But we went app first, but uh, just go Wimstay, W-H-I-M-S-T-A-Y. If you are a traveler and you like spontaneous travel and getting an awesome vacation rental at a good price, you'll dig us. If you're a property manager and you abhor expiring inventory and you like money versus some money versus no money, Come and come and give me a call. Alex at Wimstay. You could do that too. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You guys got it. I will put those uh, links in the show notes page as well, but go check them out. Go download the Wimstay app and book yourself a rental or if you're a property manager, get your properties on there. Until next time, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Alex, thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate Jordan, it. Jordan, I really appreciate it, my brother. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, you got it. That's the episode. Hit like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff at the bottom of your podcast app, and I will catch you next time. Um, 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 um.